It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Joe Marino, host of Locked On Bills, joined by Kyle Krabs, the outstanding host of Locked On Dolphins. We're here to get you ready for week 15, a big one. The Dolphins coming to Buffalo for an AFC East matchup with some big-time implications. Of course, Crossover Thursday is presented by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is so much fun, and it's easy to play. There's no competing with other players. It's just you versus the projections available. You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less in their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. It can literally take less than 60 seconds to enter. It is that easy. We love prize picks, and we know that you will too. In fact, first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Kyle, what's going on, dude, man? Welcome. Hey, uh, prime time, Bills, Dolphins, Saturday night, only show in town. Um, couldn't possibly, well, I say that, but it could probably be worse than the last time the Dolphins were on prime time on Sunday night football. But uh, looking forward to this rematch between these two teams. Of course, they they played that last man standing match in Miami in week three and kind of the pendulum swings of that game. And, and you mentioned it's it's a big one, you know, for the Dolphins. The only hope that they have to win the AFC East is to run the table and have the Bills potentially drop another game, whether that be New England or Cincinnati. Uh, the third at Chicago is the only other game on the schedule mm-hmm. for Buffalo. So, like, Buffalo's in the driver's seat here in the AFC East, and it's it's do or die time for the Dolphins. And, and what I'd be really interested in is they just played a team that was in do or die mode on Sunday night against the Chargers, and the Chargers got after them. Uh, and, and really played physical with him and dictated terms of that game. And I'm interested to see if the Dolphins have it in them to uh, try to claim any of that for themselves in what is going to be a cold, frigid, probably white game as far as playing in Buffalo on Saturday night. And, and Kyle, I think that for me is the biggest storyline for this ball game is going to be just the elements and the weather that we're anticipating right now, courtesy of weather.com, their forecast for Saturday night. Snow likely, low near 25, winds 10 to 15 miles an hour, chance of snow 70% with accumulation uh, coming between one and three inches during that window. And of course, it's supposed to snow before the game as well. So we're looking at a cold weather game here in Western New York. And Kyle, as exciting as that sounds for the Buffalo Bills, I'm old enough to remember Jay Ajayi and uh, what was it 2016, December 24th, uh, yep. 206 rushing yards. Overtime. I'm old, listen, I'm old enough to remember Reggie Bush in 2011, 25 for 203 yards, December 18th, Dolphins win. I I, I can uh, also remember Ricky Williams with some big games in the snow. So for as much as this feels like it should be an advantage for the Buffalo Bills, and I think it will be, it does come with that reality that 
Dolphins teams in the past have been able to come up and do it in these situations. And so is that going to happen this week? Do they have Jeff Wilson? Can they run the ball? Will they run the ball? I think that's going to be really interesting to find out on Saturday because you feel like this Dolphins offense is very much at a crossroads a little bit. There's been some tape out there that had given teams some clues. And I'd go back to week three against the Bills where the Bills played the highest percentage of press coverage against Miami. You've seen that replicated a little bit here lately. Some inside leverage, middle of the field close, trying to get them to throw the ball outside the numbers. If it's going to be windy and cold and wet, the Dolphins are inevitably going to have to kind of change the way they play offense to begin with. And so to me, that's scary and exciting from the Bills perspective where it's scary in that you don't know what to expect from this football team because they're going to play it differently. It's exciting also because we know how much success the Dolphins have had offensively and they have to get away from that potentially just because of the elements. So it's going to be really interesting to see what this game looks like. Yeah, I, I think it's a silver li- a black cloud with a silver lining for Miami because you, you've kind of seen this bravado the last couple of weeks from a play calling perspective where everything's super aggressive to his average intended air yards against the Chargers on Sunday night was 12 yards, average intended air yards, like everything. There, there were no easy completions that were created. There were no easy completions, no underneath attempts just to gain some yards and stay on schedule offensively. So we're coming out firing on first and 10. <laughs> well, and you're incomplete. Now all of a sudden you're in second and 10 and you're either going to take the low percentage play to run the ball on second and 10, or you're going to have to throw it again and run the risk of being in third and 10. And the dolphins have lived in that world largely the last two weeks. So I think the weather elements, I would hope they prompt this dolphins team to look themselves in the mirror and be honest about who they have up front and what they are capable of doing. Jeff Wilson's availability will be huge for the ability to run the ball because they have had their most success on the inside run. They just don't have the tight end room right now to gain the edge and run off the edge and use Raheem Mostert's speed to the best of his ability. So running inside, they they have three guys that at least have a reasonable claim to a Pro Bowl spot for their individual performance between Teron Armstead and him playing through all the injuries and obviously being a well-established player. Robert Hunt's been one of the best guards in football individually at right guard. And then Connor Williams has been very, very good the last couple months. It feels like it was two years ago, but it was just a month ago that the Dolphins dropped 200 rushing yards on the Cleveland Browns. They're capable of doing it, but yet they just have elected not to. So I agree with you in the elements being like the number one storyline for this game. And I thought it was funny that you mentioned the 2016 game because on the Wednesday show on Lockdown Dolphins, I was like, man, when's the last time the Dolphins went up to Buffalo and won? And it was 2016 in that overtime game on Christmas Eve um, with, I believe, Matt Moore was the quarterback at that point. That was after Ryan Tannehill had suffered his knee injury against Arizona uh, to put the team in a position to to make the playoffs and guaranteed that they were going to have a winning season. So uh, it can be done, but the Dolphins have to ask themselves some very hard questions. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, I think about the Bills, too, and Joe, I – I'm interested from your perspective. You know, the, the Bills have been streaky offensively re- mm-hmm. as, as of late. And obviously they played an elements game last week against the Jets. And you know, do you think that experience helps them in this kind of game or because the conditions are a little different where it was chilly but rainy versus mm-hmm. snow? Like how, how do you anticipate that the Bills are going to have to play this game differently, if at all? 
Well, what's been interesting about the Bills this year is obviously everybody had such huge expectations for them this year. And, and on one hand, they're 10 and three sitting number one seed in the AFC. On the other side mm-hmm. of things, I don't think you could call this a dominant football team. Maybe they were at times earlier this season, but for the most part, they've been a gritty football team, which has not necessarily been true about the teams in 21 and 20. It's been okay. They go out and boat race them or they lose. And this year they've been able to boat race a few teams, but they've also the last four games have been tight, gritty wins where they've had to make some plays at the end and you know, come up with some opportunistic turnovers. And, you know, the offense not, not hasn't necessarily been this juggernaut that's hard to deal with. It's in a lot of ways been Josh Allen and Stefan do digs do something. And, you know, maybe there's enough ancillary components around it that can show up on a weekly basis, whether that's sometimes a rushing offense with James Cook and Devin Singletary or sometimes Isaiah McKenzie or sometimes Dawson Knox and Knox or sometimes Gabriel Davis. But I don't think it's ever been Stefan Diggs plus something else with any level of consistency. And when you consider the turnover lull that they went through, really starting the second half against Green Bay, about a three game stretch there, 10 quarters, they turned over the ball six times and not just like six turnovers that were inconsequential these were like back breaking red zone just horribly timed bad moments for the bills now getting out of that they've done very good only two turnovers the last four games since that turnover streak but that's come with a cost it's come with I don't necessarily know that there's a better word to say than neutered the offense where Josh Allen hasn't necessarily been vintage Josh all the time we've seen it in moments but it's been more pick and choose with him when you consider not just kind of coming out of a stretch of bad turnovers, but a stretch where he's had to play through this elbow injury, right? Where he, everybody saw it after the Jets game. There's a lot of rumblings about the severity of it. We know that it's bothering him, right? We've watched enough Josh Allen to know that he's not necessarily everything that he usually is. And I think part of it is just kind of working through the turnovers and balancing that aggressive nature with taking care of the football and, and, you know, being who you are, but also not putting your team in some bad spots. And so I think they've kind of had to work out of that over the last few weeks. But the, the point being is they've had these gritty, resilient wins. And, and I've said openly multiple times that for as much as Sean McDermott has said his team is resilient in the past, I haven't believed him. I didn't believe him until this year where I've actually bought into that being true because they've met some really, really challenging moments, whether it's been working through a multitude of injuries or their own uh, challenges with playing a ton of road games and three road games in 12 days and uh, the snowstorm limited practice opportunity. There's been a lot of challenges that this team has faced and met this year. And so while they haven't been dominant, I'm not going to sit here and act like they have been, they have been gritty. And, and for the most part, they've really taken care of their business. They have three losses by a combined eight points. And, and I think you can look at all three of those games and you can do this for every team probably and realize, well, you know, they really had a good chance to win those ball games. So, I think everything the Bills have been through this year has put themselves in a decent spot here to meet a a, a situation where I think there's going to be a lot of adversity for both teams to face on Saturday night. At Locked On Bills and Locked On Dolphins, we believe that your home should be where you and your family feel safe, especially over the holidays. This season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Bills and Locked On Dolphins listeners 40% off a new security system, but don't put this off. Here's why I love it. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fact, fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify that the threat is real so you can get higher priority police responses. 
This thing is set up very nicely. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. So don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash NFL today. That's simplysafe.com slash NFL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, Kyle Krabs, co-founder of the Draft Network, lifelong fan of the Miami Dolphins. Yes. I heard about this stuff before. I really have. Um, <laughs> let's get into some matchups, man. We talked a yeah. lot of big picture stuff here in that opening segment. We set the tone here. And uh, now let's get into the nitty-gritty, some matchups here that we think can can win this football game. I'll give you the four here to go first. Yeah, I'm particularly interested in seeing how the Dolphins' offensive line handles Buffalo's defensive front. The first time these two teams played, Ed Oliver did not play, uh, but Von Miller did. So now you have the exchange, and and quite frankly, I think Ed Oliver has a a chance to be a a pretty big pendulum swing in Buffalo's favor, depending on how the Dolphins' interior offensive line lines up, particularly the left guard spot has been problematic, whether it was Liam Eikenberg or Robert Jones the last month since Eichenberg has been on IR. Eichenberg was activated last week, did not play. So that's a potential swap for Miami to take a UDFA who has limited athleticism and replace him with a second-round pick who's more athletic but has been more of a career underachiever to this point in time. And is the time away good for Liam Eichenberg? Does it help? We've got Teron Armstead, who played last week, who's been an absolute warrior playing through Let's see, he's got a pec strain. He's had a big toe since week two, and now he has a knee injury. So he's he's out there right now held together by duct tape, but he's put it out there on the line and really laid it out there, and you can't help but respect uh, the effort that he's making to play. I mentioned the other two interior offensive linemen that I think are actually playing really, really good football this season individually, and then you have the right tackle spot. So where does Greg Rousseau come into this matchup? Uh, unfortunately, we won't get to see the H.A. Epinesa-Austin Jackson matchup that I think Epinesa it, is undefeated in in his entire <laughs> career, going all the way back to when USC and Iowa played in the, uh, what was it, the the Holiday Bowl or uh, was the, the, the bowl game at Yankee yeah. State, the Pinstripe Bowl, pinstripe, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man, like Epinesa has just owned Austin Jackson. Well, Austin Jackson played 70 snaps this year, and he missed the first game, and he'll miss this one as well. So uh, bummer that AJ's not going to get three sacks this week like he would have if Austin played, just based on historical trends. But uh, the the interior penetration, uh, how's Jordan Phillips looking? I know. Mm-hmm. I believe he did mm-hmm. not play last week. Didn't practice yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about old Jordan Phillips. He might ha- he might not be able to go this week. Well, Jordan Jordan's also good for a sack and a half against the Dolphins every time he plays him too. With the uh, the Jordan Phillips revenge game layer from uh, his tenure with Miami and the departure with I believe was Adam Gase to cut him loose. So. Hey, maybe maybe your guy Greg Rousseau can can step up here and, and make well, some of those. Yeah, plays. I, I think he's the one who has the chance to really test. You you saw, uh, I thought Teron Armstead did a good job against Khalil Mack in the instances that they had matched up against each other. Mack wasn't the kind of pest that Joey Bosa was or Nick Bosa was the week before when the Dolphins played the 49ers. But Ed Oliver and, and Greg Rousseau are the the two guys that I have circled for Miami and. How are you going to handle those individual matchups? Because Oliver's quickness is unparalleled versus what the Dolphins have at left guard. And if I'm Buffalo, I'm putting 91, right? 
I'm putting 91 yeah. right up over top of left guard, and I'm saying, mm-hmm. hey, go get in the backfield and create a mess. Yeah, give Kyle Krabs his flowers. He uh, he had the first-round grade on Greg Rousseau. Stood through the whole time. I talked myself out Hold of your it, ground. So. Well, you know, we, we tend to do that with inevitable players at the bills and dolphins wind up, wind up right. getting, uh, right. but, uh, here, here we are. Uh, you know, it's funny. Your, your, your answer here is a lot like my answer here, where I, I have a level of concern about some of the guys that the dolphins have up front of that defensive line against the bills offensive line. And I want to start with bills, right tackle Spencer Brown against Jalen Phillips. Spencer Brown's been a very high variance player and, um, that concerns you against a talented football player like Jalen Phillips, who's been unbelievably disruptive this season for the whole time. And I think he's kind of playing his best football right now. We saw what he did to that Chargers uh, offensive line, as, as well as Christian Wilkins, who was absolutely dominant in that football game going up against, uh, you know, Ryan Bates, Roger Saffold. Uh, we'll see if Ryan Bates can go this week. He he was injured last week. Greg Van Roten had to finish the game. And so whether it's been, whether it is Greg Van Roten, who's a backup, a reasonable backup, but a backup, or Roger Saffold, who I don't think is having a great season, you feel like Christian Wilkins got to be licking his chops against some of those matchups on the interior, and that's not where the list stops for this Dolphins front. They've got Melvin Ingram, who's a Buffalo Bills killer no matter what team he's playing for. He kills the Bills. Uh, they got Bradley Chubb, obviously a high-quality defensive lineman. Zach Sealers out there. You know They got guys. They got dudes up there, and, and I think part of the reason the Jets has the Jets have been able to have a lot of success against Buffalo uh, defensively this year is because that defensive line, that front seven, just is so deep with guys that can penetrate and get in the backfield. And I feel like the Dolphins have a very similar situation and maybe even maybe even more talent. And you start to respect guys like an Andrew Van Ginkle who plays with his hair on fire all the time and uh, Raekwon Davis. I mean, there's guys after guys here on this front here. And so in this type of game where I thought in week three – the Bills didn't do a good enough job of knowing how they wanted to respond to the Dolphins fronts, which are always very much, you know, muddy fronts, guys up on the line of scrimmage, who's coming, who's leaving, you know, trying to set up those one-on-one matchups. And sometimes they bring some extra guys. And I thought the Bills were kind of in a crisis of, okay, do we protect here or do we throw hot, right? And I think that they, that Josh Boyer got him a few times on that. And, and Ken Dorsey got – Josh a few times as well, but can they can can have more wins this time around to avoid some of those negative plays and take advantage of what the Dolphins are going to kind of give you if they do commit those extra bodies and take players out of coverage to rush. And so I guess that's a matchup not only from the Bills offensive line against a good Dolphins defensive line, but also the coaching element here from Ken Dorsey versus Josh Boyer here in their second matchup head to head. Well, and a name that you didn't mention did not partake in this matchup the first time these two teams played because he was playing for the Denver Broncos, Bradley Chubb. And Bradley Chubb has come in and um, has two and a half sacks since the trade deadline. You're probably, well, he got the 20 plus million dollar year contract. You're kind of expecting big things. He's kind of taken over the role of what Jalen Phillips was early in the season for Dolphins fans as a guy that gets a lot of pressures but is not finishing with sacks right now. So a uh, bit of a interesting identity for the Dolphins where they, they the last two weeks have shown the willingness to get those bodies up on the line of scrimmage and give you some zero looks on the back end and either drop out or actually come. And um, they, they've lost a lot of DBs this season, but 
when you traded for Bradley Chubb, your expectation was kind of, okay, well, they're, they're going to go after you with your front four and play seven in coverage. So how they choose to balance that, I think Josh Boyer will at least have an extra wrinkle, but I think you named the right two guys in Jalen Phillips and then Christian Wilkins. I mean, Christian Wilkins is tied for sixth in the NFL in tackles for loss this year with 14th. He's played all pro caliber football on the inside for the Dolphins. I don't know that he'll get those accolades, but if you just watch him week in and week out, he he's played like he played the Chargers just about every week he's played this season. Now, for the Dolphins specifically, getting the quarterback on the ground has been a big problem as far as finishing those plays. And Josh has quintessentially been the embodiment of that for him. Uh, but we've talked about both defensive lines, and you've mentioned the coaching. This is the the contrast between the quarterbacks, right? Is Josh is somebody who, when he needs to, when a play is broken or he has to get outside a structure, he can do that. Whereas Tua Tungavaloa, he's shown this season you can win, and he played MVP caliber football for three months. But he has to have the right plays. He has to have the right structure. He's not somebody who is going to thrive outside of structure the same way that Josh Allen does. They're very different physical skill sets in that regard. So that's where, for me, the coaching comes back to the discipline, like we talked about in the first segment, of Mike McDaniel to allow his quarterback to get into a rhythm early because he was three of 12 in like each of the last two games as far as trying to get things started offensively. Can you find some completions to get into structure and find a feel for what Buffalo is going to try to do so that he can get into his own rhythm, whereas Josh doesn't necessarily need that because he can break a 20-yard gain and hurdle a guy and go helicoptering over a guy out of bounds on a big-time scramble on third and 12. He can live in that world. Tua can. So... That, for me, from just the quarterbacks and the offensive uh, standpoint, I think the coaching becomes more critical offensively for the Dolphins because their quarterback is at his best inside of structure, whereas Buffalo has somebody who's good in structure but can also excel and thrive outside of structure as well. I'd love to ask you a question here. As yeah. I, I've, I mean, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it this week, but you st- spent a lot of time studying it, not just this week, but really over the last year of your life, really learning the in, ins and outs of – uh, the tendencies of Mike McDaniel and, and his histories in the past and what you've observed this season. What is your expectation here in terms of the wrinkles that he's going to implement, not only due to the weather, but due to some of what's been put on tape here with inside leverage, middle of the field closed um, to, to force Tua to play kind of deeper into the reads and, trying to force some of those throws more towards the numbers and as, and away from the middle of the field, what does he go to? Cause I've started to think about it and, and I thought maybe there's involving the backs a little bit more in the passing game, but as teams try to force Tua to go to different places with the ball, I, I wonder about the guys like, uh, Mike Gusecki, Cedric Wilson, Trent Sherfield, if they start being more willing to go to them on some one-on-one matchups uh, to open up some of those ancillary components outside of the, the nightmare that is Waddle and Hill. Well, there, there's no question that they've been very Hill-centric. I mean, Waddle has even been an afterthought the last couple of weeks, and he got banged up against the 49ers, and I get it. He's not on the injury report as of right now for this upcoming week. So expectation is both guys will play. But yeah, I mean, the, the whole... I know I mentioned the word bravado, I think was how I described it. You know, Mike Gusecki's an afterthought. He's got three, five targets in the last three games. He like hasn't caught a ball in the last three games. Since the bye, right? right? Since the bye. He has it's not caught a pass. Yeah. 
Well, which is crazy because you have to understand the Bills, myself, we've had this conversation a thousand times. Gusecki catches all these passes against the Bills, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> this guy's got to be an every week monster. And and then just he isn't. Well, the, the routes that he's best at are the routes that if you want to win with run after catch, and the Dolphins have aspired to do that, they haven't necessarily put that on their they're middle of the road this year. They're they're not tops of the charts like like what the San Francisco offense has been. Um his best routes are the same routes that you want Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle running because you're, you're getting more explosive plays out of that. Right. So uh, they they've had stretches of play and two has had stretches where they, they have really nice throws outside the numbers. They'll take Tyreek Hill on that uh, jet motion and they'll have him run deep outs and comebacks uh, 15, 20 yards downfield. We've seen them go to three by one and, and run stick or, or, or designed out route patterns where, Jalen Waddle is pressing up to the line to the line to gain and he's he's breaking outside and it's a really good timing throw and the timing has been there to such where if it's a tick later if it's a tick inside it's a pick going the other way and they've hit those throws with consistency throughout the course of the season uh but this this past week for whatever reason you know that I think the coaching was fine against San Francisco and Tua just missed a lot of throws I think he played on a 12 out of 10 and it showed Whereas I thought the coaching against the Chargers was was what really let them down. And they have these clubs in the bag. Now it's up to them to go back to them. But with the elements, I'm not sure this is going to be the greatest showcase for them to do that. So really, it just it it's gut check time for this offense. It, it really is to, to ask yourself, like, what kind of pride do you have in running the ball? What kind of pride do you have in trying to win the line of scrimmage? They are physically capable of it. Between Connor Williams... Robert Hunt, Brandon Shell has been an adequate starting right tackle, and Teron Armstead. Are we really going to let tight ends and a left guard completely prevent us from running the ball and having any semblance of balance offensively? I don't know, but that's the answer for the Dolphins, that they're, they're going to have to look themselves in the mirror after being out in the West Coast the last two weeks when they're home before they travel up to Buffalo, and they're going to have to ask themselves that. And whatever answer they come up with is probably what you're going to see as far as the Dolphins' ability to stay balanced and have success offensively. Well, prediction time is coming here in just a moment. And if you have some predictions that you feel good about, head on over to betonline.net. That is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all over at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. It's BetOnline, and it's where the game starts. Say you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many, and as the night starts to come to an end, People start to head out. You may think of calling for a ride, but say to yourself, nah, you live close. You'll make it. No problems. No worries. What are the odds you'd get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance rates goes up. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. And that is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, Think again. Please play it safe and get a ride instead. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, Kyle, it's that time where we offer predictions for this football game. 
And um, I, I don't mind going first here. Uh, I have the score of this game being 24 to 17 Bills. And the reason I think it's going to go that way is because I do think the Bills have a lot of advantages for this contest. And it really, a lot of it has to do with what the Dolphins have kind of been through lately with their last two games being out on the West Coast. They go to San Francisco two weeks ago. They stay on the West Coast to play the Chargers on Sunday night football. They're back in Miami, what, the wee hours of Monday morning, turning around to a road game in Buffalo on Saturday night. Um, that's tough. That's a lot of attrition. That's a lot of wear and tear on a football t- team. You've, you've given or kind of heard some of that through Mike McDaniel talking about prioritizing rest and getting their bodies back on, on the West, on the East coast type schedule. That's a tough ask for them for this being the third game, uh, the last game of a three game road trip against your know, three good football teams. So I think that's tough. And then it's obviously the bills are at home. It's a cold weather game, which you think should favor Buffalo But more than anything, and and less to do with Buffalo, but more to do with Miami, just because of the dynamics of this game, I think the best parts of the Dolphins are somewhat mitigated when you talk about explosive wide receivers and a quarterback in Tua that's, you know, where he really maximizes those explosive receivers is with his ball handling, his quick twitch and ability to set his feet and get his hips set and that quick release. Some of that's going to be, that's just the timing is not going to be as easy or as consistent as it's been in the past when he's having to do that with snow and wind and cold, right? That's just a, it's a different environment, a tougher environment. Like I said, I, I remember the Reggie Bushes and the Jay Ajayis and the, and the Ricky Williams and even Lamar Miller had some of those moments in the snow. I don't know if this Dolphins team has that type of makeup to go out and really do that again here, especially if Jeff Wilson's unable to go. I think that's a, a pivotal injury. And, and like you, you mentioned there, you know, what's going to happen here at left guard, Will they commit to running the football? Why didn't they the last two weeks, eight rushing attempts against the 49ers in a game that was close all the way through? Whether or not the Chargers game felt close, it was. And they ran the ball 13 times, or they called 13 runs. You know, to, to his credit, I thought he did a good job of actually scrambling in that game, which he'd been reluctant to do. And that made some for some good plays for their offense. But I, I just think it's a lot to ask for Miami in this ball game to not only meet the moment, but also you know, kind of have to adapt and, and execute a different style um, than what's made them successful this year. And so for those reasons, I have the Bills uh, not getting swept this year by the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I um, I agree with the sentiment. I agree with the perspective. I was thinking uh, 23-20 Buffalo was, was probably going to be my official score prediction for this game for a lot of the elements that you've outlined. But oh, we both know this is a very weird league, too. We just watched the Houston Texans take the Dallas Cowboys to the limit. And we just watched a Chargers defense that had seven backups physically take the Dolphins to the woodshed. So I think the Dolphins are, are capable. I think they're uh, the biggest point of emphasis that I would say is I think the Dolphins are physically capable of changing the style of play. But as you said, between the elements and the travel and needing to change it and playing a different style. It's a lot to ask. I am hopeful that the Dolphins are going to come out and play inspired football. I'm hopeful that the Dolphins are going to come out and make some of those adjustments and that the elements will actually force them to do that, and they will be better over the final three games because of it. But it is one of those things where uh, Buffalo also didn't forget the week three game and how that ended and the sour taste in their mouths and playing in the heat. Now turnabout is fair play, and we're going to play in several inches of snow and in the 20s. 
on a Saturday night after playing in 120 degree boiling sideline in week three. So um, I think Buffalo can kind of sense the blood in the water. Uh, Miami, I think, will come out and play inspired. But I ultimately think, as you said and outlined, uh, the variables here are going to be pretty tough for the Dolphins to overcome, but never say never. Fun fact, you mentioned J.H.I. a couple times. Did you know that 50% of J.H.I.'s career rushing yards came in that 2016 season? I thought you were going to say in that game, it felt like it. Watching. No. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we could try to do the math. Neither one of us is big-time oh, math guys yeah, here. But no. he, he, he played six seasons in the NFL, had 2,500 career rushing yards, and had over 200 in that, I think he had three 200-yard games that season. Uh, put one up against the Steelers. I know he tagged the Bills twice for big yardage, mm-hmm. uh, but it was up over 200 with that big run in overtime to set him up for the game-winning field goal. So, uh, do not let the ghost of Jay Ajayi torment you too much, Bills fans, in the oh. build-up to this to this <laughs> this game on Saturday night for sure. No, it's one of those things, man, where you feel like you're good, right? And and the the way the way you don't want to go down <laughs> if you're buffalo is for those boys to come up there and say yeah we can do it we can go play in the snow we could take you down twice in one year right that's not that's not the world that bills mafia wants to live in so as much as you feel like it's an advantage you'd hate for it to not be right and that kind of takes the that put kind of puts the the pressure the on pressure you back to, on on buffalo right, a little bit right to go do it so uh, it'll be fun. The only game uh, on on Saturday night, so make sure you're plugged into NFL Network, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, uh, neither podcast is done this week. We'll be back again for you tomorrow to close out the week and get you ready for this matchup. So make sure that you continue to make Locked On Bills and Locked On Dolphins your first listen every day. And, of course, check out the other outstanding podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. For Kyle Krabs, I'm Joe Marino. We look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.